0: Everybody, welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. Another live episode. It is Wednesday something, December 14th. We're only 11 days away from, from Christmas. I feel like we should be counting something down. We're not. My apologies for that. But we do have a, a bit of a show planned for you tonight. we got a bit of a rundown on, uh, wow, Alberta decided to be super racist this last two days uh, for reasons. And then... We're going to be talking a little bit about education, a little bit about uh, education crisis. And then we're going to be having Sarah Biggs on as well to help us make sense of all of the, the ridiculous things that I have a, a tendency of saying as we work our way through the day. So to start with, before we get into all of the things, um, one of the things that we want to talk about is Danielle Smith had some thoughts on healthcare to kick the week off. In question period she was asked some questions by rachel notley and she made a, a big deal about of wanting to hear the uh the she wanted to hear the sorry just gotta qu- fix a quick cable thing here sorry twitter spaces that was all my bad um <laughs> uh it, Richard Ollie wanted to hear the state of healthcare. She was talking about how uh, the healthcare system is in absolute crisis and what is Daniel Smith going to do about this and all of the other things. And Daniel Smith had a pretty interesting little re- response.
1: tell you, Dr. John Cowell's been on the job three and a half weeks. And one of the things that he's told me in my conversations with him is that he, has ne- he, he says that AHS is performing better than he ever could have imagined.
0: Now, there's a lot to unpack with AHS being able uh, to perform better than she ever could have imagined in three and a half weeks because no major organizational changes other than the firing of the board uh, have happened in the last three and a half, four weeks. Um, By all accounts, Mr. Dr. Cowell, sorry, has been uh, sort of acquainting himself with the situation. So for him to come forward and say, you know what? Things are working better than we could have possibly imagined. It's fantastic, HS is crushing. It kind of forces the question, then why did you fire the board? Because if everything's going better than it could possibly be imagined, doesn't make a whole lot of sense that uh, that she would feel the need to, to fire the board. It's almost as if firing the board was a, as an, an impulsive decision, perhaps maybe not so much with the evidence-based. Hard to say for sure. But there were a couple of things that we can't say for sure, because on the very same day, HSAA, the Union for Paramedics, released this little tidbit. As of Monday morning, the number that they rounded down, of unfilled paramedic shifts in Alberta through the end of next weekend. So for the next seven days in the province of Alberta was 322. That's 322 seats in ambulances that didn't have paramedics to operate the ambulances. And that's actually a slightly lower number than HSA has seen for the last little while, uh, or EMS has seen for the last little while. How do we know? Well, CTV released the story about how the NDP did a FOIP request. And in that FOIP request, they found some information about just how bad the EMS crisis actually is. So in that FOIP, they found that in Calgary alone, we're just talking about Calgary here. In Calgary alone, there have been over a thousand vacancies of EMS shifts each month since July. And then for the whole year, there have been, at the time of the FOIP, 9,629 seats that should have had paramedics in them that didn't because of the staffing crisis, because of the burnout. And speaking of burnout, CBC ran a story as well where they talked about frontline burnout, a growing concern that's only getting worse. It's not getting better. It's only getting worse. As healthcare workers are trying to deal with the, the triple threat, if you will, of influenza, RSV, and COVID-19. The reality is healthcare workers have been working themselves to the bone for the last couple of years because of COVID. And now they've got to deal with this pediatric healthcare crisis. And they're exhausted. And they're burnt out And they're tired. And Daniel Smith, rather than say, hey, you know what, we got some problems here. We might need to do something to 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 deal with them. Maybe maybe something preventative, perhaps that would be relevant rather than say any of those things. What she said is, no, guys, it's fine. He's done the rounds. Everything's good. It's fascinating how the disconnect between what Daniel Smith says and what the actual reality is continues to only seem to widen because first healthcare was absolutely crippled because of the AHS board management, despite the fact that the AHS board was a governance board, not an operational board. But now that she's got her main guy in there, he's telling her everything, it, it literally couldn't be better. I can't imagine healthcare being better than it is right now with trailers parked outside of children's hospitals in Calgary. I can imagine the trailers not being there. It's actually really, really easy for me to do. Moving on from there, though. Uh, Demetrius Nicolades decided to put out the, the 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 guy in charge of post-secondary education, decided to do some edumacating for the, the, the folks of Alberta. He released a video. We're going to play a little clip from that video because uh, there's some...
2: There's some problems. Alwyn Bramley-Moore was elected as the MLA for the District of Rutherford in 1909. He served one term in the provincial legislature before volunteering to serve with the Canadian Army in World War I. Unfortunately, he would meet his ultimate demise at the hands of a German sniper in 1916 but we can learn more about the nature of the debate occurring in Alberta at the time. In 1911, he wrote a book entitled Canada and Her Colonies, or Home Rule for Alberta. And in his book, he spoke about the need to end protective tariffs that were designed to build up Canadian industries, most notably in Central Canada. However, of more significance, he also called upon the federal government to grant Alberta control over its natural resources and crowned lands.
0: He did write that book, and he he did make some arguments in that book. Now, before I get to the particularly problematic arguments that he made in that book, it's worth noting, uh, in some of the edits of that video, he it looks like it was maybe edited somebody with my video editing skill because there's some points where you can see Dimitrios nicolaitis flipping through through some papers frantically it's almost as if someone wrote the script for him and he didn't read the book himself let's hope that's the case because if he did read that book and he did decide that's the thing that he's going to use as a point of reference then he's got some questions to answer because in addition to the the author of that arguing hey alberta we're the most important province in, in the history of all the provinces. We're, we should be getting all of the attention. He also made some other arguments. Admission of colored people, yellow or black, constitutes a possible menace to the supremacy of the white race and can rightly be objected to under the law of self-preservation. It's literally a book about white supremacy. It's a direct quote from the book. It's literally arguing that colored people shouldn't be allowed into Alberta because it would weaken the supremacy of the right race. Now, I'm sure it's been a while since I read, uh, I don't know, Mein Kampf. I have read it. It was it was a requirement when I was in high school. I don't remember very much about it, but I certainly wouldn't be trundling out any arguments from Mein camp to say, hey, you know what? There's this book that was written. It's got some good things in it. Maybe we should take a look at it if it was arguing for the things that I remember it arguing for. And particularly given the historical significance of that figure, that's maybe not somebody that we should be going to for Cribs Notes on how we should be running a province. But it got a little, there's a little bit more to it. And, and I mean, let's let's take them, despite the poor production values, despite the racist overtones and quoting racist racist books, the, the music is very dramatic. And so is the speech writing, because it seems like Mr. Nicolaitis is writing for a different audience in a different time.
2: Today, under the United Conservative Party, Alberta continues to challenge the federal government over its right to develop its resources as so many other premiers and governments did in the past. We will not waver in our commitment to defend Alberta's interests. We will not let Ottawa dictate our future prosperity. We will break free from the shackles they have placed upon us since our very inception. And we will fight for the very motto etched under the Alberta coat of arms, Fortis et Liber, strong and free. And as MLA Brownlee Moore said in 1911, Alberta first, last, and forever.
0: Alberta first, last, and forever. Gosh, that doesn't sound nationalistic at all, does it? There's something to be said that the Minister of Advanced Education would quote this book with literal white supremacist messaging the book that literally makes the argument that colored people shouldn't be allowed into Alberta because they could somehow dilute the supremacy of the white race. And there's a legal argument for keeping people out. It's a little bit ironic that whoever wrote this, whether it was Mr. Nicolaitis or whether it was I I don't know, a, a speech writer who maybe got hired on again after having been maybe let go by Kenny. I don't know. I'm speculating. Um, to go with the metaphor well, quoting the white supremacist mla of throwing off shackles is a little bit on the nose let's say but that was just the the beginning of the very racist week in alberta we were gonna in alberta the the politics we're, we're gonna get all the way racist apparently this week because we had uh premier daniel smith had some thoughts on Tuesday that she wanted to share with the legislature.
1: This is all about making sure that Ottawa stays out of our jurisdiction. The way I've described it to the chiefs that I've spoken with is that they have fought a battle over the last number of years to get sovereignty respected and to and to extract themselves from the paternalistic Indian Act. We get treated the exact same way from Ottawa. They interfere in our jurisdiction all the time. And we are looking forward to pushing back and being treated exactly like
0: we are treated the exact same way. I mean, there's so much to unpack about what Danielle Smith said that's wrong there. First of all, the Indian Act is still a thing, and it's a pretty horrifying thing. If you want to know exactly how horrifying it is, I would strongly encourage you to take a look at the book, 21 Things You Don't Know About the Indian Act, because there are a lot of things that are still on the record, on the law, in the Indian Act that are deeply, deeply I mean, problematic is a gross understatement. These are laws the First Nations and Indigenous people still have to contend with every single day. They are still on the books. So to, to somehow say, oh, they're, they're free of the, the, the Indian Act. They've, they've done all of this work and they're free from the oppression of Ottawa or colonialism is just patently false. It's just not true. But to try to equate the experiences that Daniel Smith seems to think she's had this perpetual victimhood that she leans into to try to equate that with the genocide that has been visited on first nations and indigenous people and Métis people since Canada was a thing is not only profoundly ignorant, it's not only profoundly wrong, but as we saw from First Nations and Indigenous and Métis people across not just Alberta, but the country over the last 24 hours. It's deeply, deeply hurtful and harmful. Now, one of the other things that happened today was the Treaty 6 chiefs met with Premier Daniel Smith. Now, it should say something that the pre, the, the Treaty 6 chiefs felt the need to issue this statement. Because it was clear in the statement that they didn't want that meeting to be presented as, hey, guys, it's cool. I met with them. We're all buddies now. And they went so far, the Treaty 6 chiefs went so far as to say, and I'm going to read the whole thing here. The Treaty 6 chiefs would like to clarify that while Premier Daniel Smith did meet with the Treaty 6 chiefs today, this does not in any way or sense constitute her duty to consult with regard to any matters of mutual concern. Further, we urge the current provincial leadership to withdraw and consider any legislation that pretends jurisdiction over treaty lands and people. We're talking about the Sovereignty Act here, very, very clearly. And as we pointed out on the show before... Every single square inch of Alberta is treaty land. It was clear from our discussion that Premier Smith did not understand, sorry, does not understand treaty or our inherent rights, nor does she respect them. We do not agree that an invitation on the day of the throne speech is an inclusive approach to hearing Albertans and indigenous voices in a meaningful way or for such a dangerous piece of legislation. The premier will not dictate how we will be consulted. We pointed once again to the duty consult to learn more about how to engage and work with us appropriately. This comes on the heels of the First Nations Assembly demanding the withdrawal of the proposed Alberta sovereignty and Saskatchewan First Acts. It started in Alberta, where the very embarrassing press conference for Daniel Smith happened, where they responded to her claims completely unfounded and without evidence the claims that she's made that she's got Cherokee heritage that she can't back up and they responded by saying you know A, if she did have that heritage she wouldn't be behaving that way and B, pretty convenient Daniel Smith was confronted about this today here's what you had to say
1: Mr. Speaker, that was certainly not the intention of my comments. And if it was taken that way, I absolutely apologize for that
0: order. The Honourable the Premier has the call.
1: My intention was to demonstrate that the process that our First Nations have gone through to develop sovereignty over their own affairs and extract themselves from the Indian Act is the process that we are following in going through and and asserting our rights under the Constitution. I, I take inspiration from what the First Nations have done, and I'm looking forward to continue engaging and consulting with them.
0: Now, it's well-known that Danielle Smith is a big fan of exporting Alberta's natural resources, but perhaps not as much well-known as how much she's looking forward to exporting straight-up bullshit, because that's exactly what that was. The bottom line is this. As I've already said earlier, First Nations and Indigenous people have not extricated themselves from the Indian Act. That's simply not true. But to try to say that what you heard her say... Just a couple of minutes ago. No, no, no. I didn't mean that it's like the same. I just meant that the process is the same. Is incredibly disingenuous. And the way that she positioned her apology to say, you know what? Um, If you were offended, I'm sorry you were offended. Is not somebody taking responsibility for saying profoundly ignorant and hurtful things, especially after the Treaty 6 folks chiefs came out and said hey you know what you're showing a lot of disrespect you're showing a lack of understanding for her to come out in front of the legislature and say on the official record of government no 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 it's it's folks are just being too sensitive Is pretty gross but just in case you're concerned maybe she she wasn't actually being that insensitive she was also asked about the sovereignty act Hours ago, Treaty 6 chiefs stated, quote, It was clear from our discussions that Premier Smith does not understand treaty or our inherent rights, nor does she
2: respect them. The Premier will not dictate how we will be consulted. We point her once again to the duty to consult to learn more about how to engage and work with us appropriately. To the Premier, the Sovereignty Act is another bill forced on First Nations without consultation
1: that is attacking their sovereignty and their inherent and treaty rights. What will it take for her to listen,
2: apologize and withdraw Bill 1?
1: be withdrawing Bill 1, and I, I am speaking regularly with the Chiefs to, um, to point them to Section 2C of the, of the Act that we put forward that expressly states that nothing in the Act is going to impact their treaty or Aboriginal rights. That's what Section 35 is all about. I respect a co- the, car- the Charter, I respect the Constitution, I respect that we have a nation to nation relationship with First Nations, and I'm looking forward to identifying those areas that we can work with in partnership. Every time I speak with a a new nation, identify areas that we can work with together. I'm looking forward to doing that more.
0: So, again, a whole lot to unpack there. If you've implemented a law and then you have to explain to the stakeholders, oh, no, no, the law is cool. Let me tell you why. Now that it's pretty much a thing, you have nothing to worry about. That's not consultation. That's a sales pitch. The fact that Danielle Smith thinks that the one section of the Sovereignty Act that she's referring to somehow covers the reality that all of Alberta is treaty land is not only profoundly disingenuous, but it's a profoundly flawed line of reasoning. And at the end of the day, part of the process of truth and reconciliation is making sure that any conversations that have any sort of impact on First Nations and indigenous peoples are include First Nations and indigenous peoples. Danielle Smith in that clip essentially said, I've stepped on your toe. First Nations and indigenous leaders said, we don't like that you've stepped on our toe. And Danielle Smith said, oh no, no, I didn't technically step on your toe. Let me explain to you how I didn't step on your toe while she continues to stand on their toe. Except what we're talking about is much more severe Than simply standing on someone's toe. All the way through the Sovereignty Act process. First Nations and and Indigenous leaders have been saying. Please stop. We don't like this. It's not okay with us. They've held press conferences. They've held press releases. But Danielle Smith refuses To acknowledge any of those concerns. And the fact that she would say in response to the statement, Hey, you met with folks today. And they were like, Well, that was a goddamn train wreck. And her response is, No, I'm meeting with them though. It's cool. Is really quite telling about how sincerely she's approaching truth and reconciliation. It's just a train wreck. And it's embarrassing. And if there is one silver lining in all of this, it's the number of Albertans and Canadians who have stepped forward and said, this is a train wreck and it's embarrassing and this isn't what I want from my government. And it shouldn't be. And that's critically, critically important. Danielle Smith has laid it clear time and time again. She's not interested in listening. She's interested in in looking like she's listening. And there's no shortage of examples for where she makes it look like she's listening, but she doesn't actually do anything to update or deal with the problems. Which brings us to our, our next segment for the show. Because there's some real problems going on in the education system right now. Now, this is go hopefully going to be the, the first of a, a bit of an ongoing conversation that we're going to have with our, our next guest here, because this is super complicated, but it's also super easy. Very, very excited to welcome Andrea back to the show. Andrea, how are you doing tonight?
3: I'm good. Can you?
0: I can hear you. Okay. Hi. <laughs> so Andrea's been on the show before. She, she was part of our, I think we did a three part, four part, six part. I don't know. We did a bunch of parts uh on, <laughs> The new curriculum draft and the concerns that came out of a grassroots community group that said, hey, this curriculum where you're asking kids to find gravity on a globe and identify a lake that doesn't exist in Alberta, uh, it's a little problematic for us. Please fix it. Parts of it have been fixed. Parts of it have been rammed through. Kids are now learning how to do economics and phys ed because, of course, they are. Andrea, you fixed education mostly. What do we got to talk about tonight? Everything's fine.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, I mean, the curriculum is what, is, it, what it is? It is what it is, and people are working with it the best of the way that they can. Um, it's a lot of do more with less, <laughs> but here we are. Um, I'm here today to talk about the substitute teachers, actually. Um, they're kind of important, but they don't feel that way.
0: So let's 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 take a step back first and kind of define our terms. Just because, what's a what's a substitute teacher? Is, is that like a, an educational assistant, or is that like a volunteer parent? What's a substitute teacher these days? <laughs>
3: uh, sometimes we go by guest teacher or uh, teacher on call. Is it is another term? It's all the same. It's somebody who has an education degree um, and is hired by the board to cover classes when they don't have anyone in there. So if a teacher gets sick, gets injured, uh, has to go for surgery, Um, if a teacher's own children are sick or injured, um, they can't be in the classroom. So you need somebody in there. Legally, you cannot leave them unsupervised, uh, for many reasons. Uh, And that's that's who we are.
0: Okay, so what's, what's, uh, I mean, if I'm an outsider and I don't know anything about uh, substitute teaching or, or education, which isn't terribly far from the truth, um, I guess that sounds like a pretty sweet gig. What's the problem?
3: Uh, supervising. Be, like The movies make it sound like you put a movie on, put your feet up and go. Uh But that's not how continuity works for instruction. Like the point of having a talented teacher in there to take care of your class is to be able to say, go, take care of yourself, take care of your family, I got this. And to make sure that the kids don't miss a beat, make sure that the lessons are still uh, strong and meaningful and curricularly aligned. Um, A good substitute teacher has all kinds of uh, tricks up their sleeves to manage kids that they don't know personally um, to make sure that everyone feels welcome and safe and, and ready to learn. It's not something you can walk into uh, and do well without training and experience. And so, fresh grads like to do it. it, gets you that in so that you can make yourself known, get to know staff, hopefully, get a job. Retired teachers like to do it because they've retired, but they still want to, to be part of the action, you get get a bit of a, you get energy out of a day when you can come into a classroom and do a good job. Um, problem is, is that the system can't rely on new grads and retirees. There's just not enough of those specific people. Um, so you need, you need people in the middle who are dedicated to doing that. And that's, that's people who are in their prime earning years and the wage for a substitute teacher tops out at 45,000 gross.
0: (laughs) Sorry. So that's the maximum amount that a substitute teacher can make in a year is $45,000.
3: Yeah. Somewhere between 42 and 45, depending on the board. Um, that's if you work every single day, um,
0: are you a substitute teacher at that point? Like if you're working every single day, that's that sounds like, I don't know, a full-time gig.
3: There, uh, There is a crisis right now in substitutes. There's not enough of them. So the boards are hiring um, classroom supervisors, and that will be your babysitter who makes about $20, $40 less per day than the trained substitute teacher. Uh, yeah. They can't get called until all of the teachers have been tried first, but we are we are seeing classroom supervisors. But uh we're mostly seeing teachers covering for each other, principals covering classes, librarians are in there, EAs are doing what they can, central office people are not doing the work that they're supposed to be doing, they're coming into schools to cover. Um it's pretty intense.
0: What you're describing sounds like um, trying to to put a put a bandaid on a, on a complex situation. Why why are we seeing such a big demand for substitute teachers?
3: People are getting sick, so that's kind of a big one.
0: Wait, <laughs> people get sick in schools? I thought that was impossible.
3: Yeah, we're <laughs> getting sick. So can't go to work. Uh, substitute teachers get sick days. Or, or workers come, we're exempt from WCD, working class, or like home ec. <laughs> uh, so if you slip on the ice at work, uh, supervising recess, say, uh, that's it. That's on you. Don't come back to your healthy because there's no like light duties. Um, yeah. We don't get pensions unless we have some leftover money to buy it at actuary, actu- you know, an actuary actuarial <laughs> uh it's hard work.
0: you did better with that uh, than i would have
3: at those rates like you can buy pension time but if you're grossing 45 max working every single day uh, i i've never done it <laughs> i've never i've never bought it into pension
0: so i mean to juxtapose what is the average, air quotes, because I imagine there's some seniority and experience and ran and ran and ran of stuff that goes in. But let's do it this way. Do you know what the starting salary is for a full time teacher?
3: Uh, that depends on the board. Uh, ooh, that's a good question. I've been looking at multiple jurisdictions lately. No so I have too many numbers ahead. Uh I want to say 56, but that, that could be a different problem.
0: Okay. (laughs) Because it would seem to me.
3: Uh, It would seem to me. It it caps out at 10. So no matter where you start, almost all of them end around the 10 year mark, which is about 100. So Alberta is pretty average for the when you top out side of it. Um, Okay. How fast you get there is where a lot of the the complication gets there. So we start higher for first years. Um, but we end up in the same place after ten years; it kind of evens out. So
0: okay, yeah, I'm just so doing pretty- a quick, quick little Google search here, and it says the average is around uh, seventy-eight thousand. So that's going to be like the middle of the road for the the pay yeah. spectrum, I imagine. That's a lot less than forty-five thousand, and I imagine he speculates based on the the no WCB, a a substitute teacher is probably not getting the benefits.
3: No, we can buy those uh, with our leftover spending money.
0: (laughs) From the (laughs) $45,000. Yeah,
3: Yeah. Um, that's assuming assuming you're getting a call call out systems. uh, There's a lot of them. None of them work perfectly. There's a lot of different versions of how to do calls. Um, None of them work perfectly. So Yep. If you're in your prime earning years, you're, you're, you're making the choice to sub. It's because that's how your life needs to work. Like your kids need your time because you don't need to be a burned out full time teacher and take care of your kids, especially if they have needs. Um, yeah.
2: Are substitute,
0: I imagine as well, substitute teachers are bound by that uh, uh, that new code of ethics that the, the yeah. government just produced.
3: Well, we're bound by the, all of them. Like, there's no gap there. It's not like it's a new new thing. So we're bound by the old one, and we'll be bound by the new one too. Um, the old one uh, doesn't doesn't it covers us to protect everybody, but it doesn't always protect us from the system. We're not we're at risk and complain. Because if we complain, they there's nothing in our union that will protect the subs. There's no grievance. There's no procedures for dealing with uh, any kind of problem. If they just want you gone, you're gone. Bye.
0: And I imagine if you're 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 gone from a substitute teacher gig, it's. I mean, there's different boards conceivably, I suppose, that you could oh, you could yeah. work for. Um, yeah. But if you're yes. talking about like rural Alberta, there's not a whole lot of options. So if you live in like, I don't know, Fairview, because that's where I grew up, there will be, I would imagine, maybe two boards that's available to you. And if, if one of them says, hey, we didn't like the fact that you complained about slipping on the ice and breaking your leg, suck it up, buttercup. I imagine that there's some crosstalk that exists between superintendents from time to time.
3: Probably. Depends on how public you are with your complaints.
0: Okay. Um, You can't
3: can't make them look bad, you know.
0: Yeah. How do do we fix this?
3: (laughs) Uh, Legislation. This is how it's written in the Education Act. This is it. There's no changing this without changing the Act.
0: And I imagine this is something that you've seen a great deal from Daniel Smith saying, Oh, we're going to, we're going to fix this. Oh boy. We're, we're fixing this quick.
3: Yeah. No. You, no, you heard anything.
0: I haven't heard anything. I've been, I've been distracted by all the racist rhetoric. So
3: last there I may heard, have
0: been some things that fall through the cracks.
3: The last I heard about her fixing class size was teachers taking 10 kids into their basement and teaching them. So like I guess, microschools. I guess, Subs could do that, I suppose. I mean, did she did she say what the vouchers were worth? I don't
0: what's, believe she has. I think that's that's election stuff.
3: Okay, we're in election. Now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it has to be changed in legislation. What would you want the changes to look like?
3: I'm not sure if subs meaning be pulled out of the union so they can bargain for themselves, maybe? Like like think about it. In the world of education bargaining we're gonna aim for class size and supports for kids who are getting missed, who are, who are unfunded in their needs. We're gonna push for defining what a professional obligation actually is so that it's not, all not just lumped into, yeah. Defining what overtime is, I suppose, would be a nice way of putting what professional <laughs> obligations are. Um, there was a school, there's a school in the North that one in negotiations recently. They get to have the locks on their houses changed out so they don't get locked out in or out in the winter. They had digital locks that would freeze. And that was part of our negotiation. That and the black mold they had. It's called teacherages. They're like when a minister has a manse that the church owns and you live in it, there's a teacherage up north that needed help. So we got that for them in targeting. Um, but the subs these are were substitute
0: right
3: teachers. No, those are actual teachers. But the subs are below there, right? Like, we're, we're down priority list. So when you're bargaining, you can't bargain for what's fair. You have to bargain for what you can reasonably achieve. Uh, and we're at the bottom.
0: Well, I mean... I feel like the people frozen out of their homes in, in oh yeah in winter. that was a
3: win that was that, a
0: that's, for- that 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 should be in like I I'm surprised that you would have to bargain for that quite frankly it seems like that would be a we don't want people dying thing but what do I know. Um, What what do you want? What do you want people to take away from this? What do you want people to know about the substitute teacher situation? Do you want people writing their MLAs? Do you want people? Yeah, that
3: would be helpful for legislative reasons. Um, It still feels weird asking for us because the class size stuff and the kids that don't get the supports and the testing and the diagnostics and the Therapy and everything that they need to be successful at school—that's not happening at the rate it really should be. Um, so it feels weird to make the pitch for substitute teachers, but it's time because we're essential. If we're not there, you shut down. And
0: well, that's just it. I mean, as much as there's, there's—I'm sure people that would argue. Um, you know the. The education system is, by many measures, in collapse. Um, how can you be worried about just the substitute teachers? But the reality is, is that with teachers being off, with you know the, it seems to me substitute teachers rec- represent a fairly critical role in the in the system. And if you try to drive a vehicle, I mean, spark spark plugs are a small part of a vehicle, but if you if you take the spark plugs out. I feel like you're not getting very far. I'm not a mechanic.
3: Uh, yeah, it's, that's not bad. That's a pretty good one.
0: <laughs> well, I'm trying to keep up with you because normally your 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 analogies and your metaphors are like so dark. So I was I was trying to come up with something that was well, kind of middle of the road and not like.
3: Yeah, I have some dark ones for kids who are getting missed out on systems, <laughs> but
0: I imagine. <laughs>
3: I, imagine. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's the little little things like boards that do more. They could they could make us feel like we're more part of the team. Uh, but we get that one week in March, sub teacher appreciation week where they put up some social media shout outs. And then. Uh, it's about it. So
0: I'm going to read <laughs> a comment here. I'm not going to I'm not going to. As much as I'm loving the ability to put uh, comments on the screen, I I don't want to put this comment up here because I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but there's a comment in the chat here, 25 years for one district and I still feel disposable. That's, I think, pretty telling uh, and substandard, I feel like.
3: (laughs) Substandard. Yeah. Uh, I have an op-ed. That uh, like a letter to the editor that's going to print tomorrow in our local town and country. So there will be a an online link to that story. Um, so sharing that would be good.
0: Well, I trust to- you'll send that to us so that uh, yeah. we can we can. <laughs> I'll give something. you the
3: whole one. New- newspapers tend to cut uh, a little bit for for length, and there's just yeah, it's hard to cut. Enough. So we get the
0: edited version and the director's cut.
3: Yeah, yeah. There's a third one
0: too. <laughs> oh, there's like a, this is turning into like a, a Zack Snyder film or something. All of a sudden. Yeah.
3: Now, now it should be said that I I worked with the TES, the Teacher Employment Services, to write this in a way. Of um, so that's cool. So, just a disclaimer: it's been approved by the people who are in charge of licensing so um i'm not at risk that way um but i'm not currently employed by a board either so that's why i'm talking
0: (laughs) there's no no. risk (laughs) nope well there we go i mean that's (laughs) that's a uh an an unenviable position of safety i suppose i'll say
3: yes unenviable yep position of safety so um i get to i get to just be a mom now and i get to talk well you've been
0: doing advocacy work for (laughs) it's coming up to like two years at least that i've been aware of it Uh, i feel like
3: it was literally this time last year that i was your was on there for the first time was it i think it was i think it was november like end of november
0: it, it's all just like time has become this fluid conceptual thing that uh, that I don't really know all that that much about. But uh, that's yeah. Anything else you want people there? Is there anything that you want people to include when they're writing their MLA's? saying, hey, we need the spark plugs. Please treat the spark plugs better.
3: Substitute teachers are not entry-level interns. We are professionals doing a valued job. Public education cannot function without us and protecting public education is a team effort. Imagine being treated as an afterthought. Disposable, replaceable. We need to create provincial legislative bill that will give guest teachers legitimacy, respect, and what they deserve, being treated the right way. We need far more and deserve far more than lip service and a fun-sized chocolate bar in March.
0: But I mean, fun-sized chocolate bars. <laughs> it's like, are we talking like the little ones or the big ones?
3: It's, no. It's,
0: well, that's not. I see. Well, I mean, people, sometimes fun-sized sometimes chocolate bar has got to be something that I've got to sit down and make a meal out of. That's sometimes fine.
3: you get gift cards. Uh so if you've worked for a district for we're gonna say 25 years and you get your name drawn out of a hat, you might get a twenty dollar gift card for coffee.
0: See, that makes it all worth it. So it's so technically some yeah. substitute teachers are making forty-five thousand and twenty dollars.
3: <laughs> uh I don't think they're claiming the gift card.
0: <laughs> well, I don't think they should, quite frankly. And Revenue Canada could can come after me for <laughs> saying that, but Wow. Um well I'm looking forward to seeing the the editorial come out tomorrow. I hope you know that we will do absolutely everything that we can to 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 broadcast it and put it on blast. And I hope now that you've got I mean I'm not trying to minimize the um, incredible amount of effort that being a mom is because I am not a crazy person, but uh, I hope now that you are not doing the are currently not doing the substitute. We're going to see more um uh, advocacy from you and hopefully it won't be no. another I, I, I had you on a second time it hasn't been a year uh
3: no since the first one okay good I was year. like
0: no it feels way more <laughs> recent than that
3: <laughs> that was when I asked Albertans whether they still care and want a public education system
0: yes did you get yeah. an answer
3: no
0: not yet no, Daniel Smith said vouchers though so you know <laughs>
3: In pod schools. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. No, I, yeah, I have so many things that I would like to share about the education system. Uh, I just got to keep pressing, like, passing past the, uh, the the upper ones who are in control of my license. I don't want to be studying a teacher. I love it. Um, but I, it breaks my heart to see things running the way that they are which is not well for too many. So there's a lot of people out there who are having a great year. There's a lot of classes that are working just ticky-boo and I don't want to take away from that. They're having a great year and there's not enough of those anymore. So cherish the year if you're having a great year. Uh, But we're, we're seeing it, we see it all the time. Everyone posts a lot of really happy things that are happening in schools and that's great. Uh, But those of us who are feeling forgotten, feeling like it's we don't talk about Bruno style communication, kind of tired of being invisible. So I think we should as an election year. And there we go.
0: Well, I want to read you this one comment that we got on the Twitter spaces. Uh, we need subs so much. I've been on both sides as a full time and a part time with some subbing. They are amazing and so flexible. So, I mean, it's there's a few. It's not out easy there, to but- be a
3: good one. If you can walk in classroom and junior high kids cheer to see you, you're doing a good job. And that feels great. It feels good when the grade ones cheer too, but, but the junior high cheering is, is a good feeling.
0: I can't say that I ever treated any substitute teacher with cheering. I was that kid. So, I, so I, sorry. I, I, I did. I, I, fun I, fact. Yeah. Here's a fun, I, fun I, one. I, <laughs> Do you know who I had as a, as a substitute teacher? No. Bret Hart. I don't know how it happened. So <laughs> one day. You should the,
3: not gone for the drink right there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, one day we're hanging out in our social studies class and in walks uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. It was the 80s. And uh, I don't think we talked about social studies at all. We just he 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 tried to do a bit of it, but there were there were a couple of them that did a couple of the Hart brothers that did substitute teaching, if I remember right. But yeah, we were we turned into gibbering idiots because there's a WWF superstar in our classroom, and who cares about the history of France now?
3: (laughs) I wouldn't care either. Social studies is studying why humans do what they do, Uh, and and you can't get bigger human reality than <laughs> that is a fascinating story how to get there and do that well is insane so actually the new code of conduct uh, has a line in there about uh bringing in non-teachers to for instructional time as long as they're still supervised by a teacher or a teacher leader um that'd be cool i'm cool with that actually I would love to have a professional like pastry chef come into a home ec class and like give her a go. And the teacher can work on the management and the marketing, assessing and everything and bring that in. That's awesome. Problem is that line can be weaponized against some (laughs) teachers too. Yeah, we sure can. So hard to say which way that will go.
0: Well, I'd like to have you back in the new year. So that we can have like a, a full one off. I mean, we're a little, little limited for, for time, but I'd oh, like yeah. to, to have you back in the new year so we can have a full a full episode where we talk about because there's there was a, a there's a, a little post that I saw a little while ago that talked about that code of conduct and had some interesting implications. I saw that. Um and uh, there were qu- it got a little bit, of, little bit of traction on the Twitter and the Facebook. There were a lot of teachers saying, oh, somebody said the quiet part out loud because <laughs> the, the implications in regards to who's culpable for suboptimal uh, situations in classrooms is really quite spicy. So I'd love to get your take yeah. on that from from a, an opinion standpoint.
3: Um, yeah, yeah. Let me check with what's legally allowed to be said and still, yeah. Okay. But I'm very much you share everything that I ask absolutely possibly can. Absolutely. Perfect. Um, well, you run
0: it. You run it by the powers of be so you can keep your license. We'll definitely have you back.
3: I will say everything I can say and try and shed light on on the murder board that is education, because to figure it all out, uh, you're gonna need a board and some strings and a lot of pins. It's it doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm, and, I'm glad that know. you
0: clarified it as that sort of conspiracy theory murder board, because I thought we were doing another dark Andrea metaphor for a second, and I was like, <laughs> oh no. Uh,
3: no, uh, my, my next rant might be uh, your parents in the waiting room. <laughs> Because if you're waiting for services, it's like being in the ER without any idea how long you're going to be there. Uh, and no one's allowed to tell you how long.
0: That's gross. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat tonight. We will definitely revisit this once you figure out what your rules of engagement can be. And yeah, thanks again.
3: <laughs> All right. Thanks.
0: Bye-bye. All right, moving on in the program, bringing in Sarah Biggs to talk about what the hell happened in Alberta politics. What, like, Sarah Biggs? I have so many questions. Who is driving this bus on fire right now? Because I don't know if you caught the 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 my list of what the hell's going on. Daniel Smith stands up at the legislature and says, "You know what, guys? Healthcare is great." I heard from my guy. It's been three weeks. He hasn't had time to do anything, but everything's growing great than it, better than it could possibly imagine. She made that comment after HSAA released their statistics on over three hundred paramedic shifts vacant, and that's just paramedics. I don't know. I haven't seen any any cool social media graphics. And if anyone has them, please kick them the breakdowns way. I haven't seen any social media graphics about nurses or RTS or patient care aides or anything like that. Um, So we're just talking about one tiny little segment of healthcare that has these massive uh, absences. Daniel Smith says, no, no, can't imagine it. You can't imagine it. You can't picture a universe where things are going better than they are right now. How does that get said in the legislature, Sarah Biggs?
4: Do you like my new mug?
0: (laughs) Is that a no comment mug? That's a no comment. (laughs) Madam Premier. it's just going to my favorite oh, the local store product I placement. I'm going to have to like start going after them for royalties <laughs> or something. Oh, she's awesome. Just um, you can plug Madden Premium that, on the show anytime you I,
4: want. I, I bought a, a sticker from her the other day and it says, Don't at me. And I was like, is This is me on the sticker.
0: I would like one of those, please. <laughs>
4: yeah. Uh, like the APP tonight is making my blood just.
0: See, I've been doing the show, so I haven't seen anything, but I know. Well, that, uh... I was in
4: meetings all day, so like, cannot... I didn't really have. I, I had to play catch up. Um, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> you know, my kind of conservative cannot even defend what's going on right now. I just can't. I. <laughs>
0: So is this I mean, here's here's the question that I want to ask is 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 question period Danielle Smith's new radio show where she can say whatever she wants, because I would think in the middle of a healthcare crisis when uh, they're parking trailers outside of the Children's Hospital and they're closing the Rotary Flames house and there's articles like it was a gift to the NDP because she came out and said. You can't imagine it being better. And then the NDP said, "Funny thing, we did this foip, and uh, we actually can." What if there weren't a thousand vacancies in the 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 year, um, or sorry, ten thousand vacancies in just EMS in the year? Um, yeah, I would think that if if somebody was helping Miss Smith with her remarks and she wasn't just speaking off the cuff, somebody would say, eh, maybe don't say that." Am I wrong? <laughs>
4: No. So I'm, I'm good. Here's the free professional advice. Keep the premiere on script. She can't freelance. She can't. Fre-
0: <laughs> like, <sorry. laughs> this I'm is the tired. Of politics, had... And we haven't got, we haven't even gotten to the Nickelodeon thing yet. Sarah's already it's, falling apart. It's,
4: it's been a day. It's been a long day. Lots of meetings and, you know, I had to go get amoxicillin for my ten years old, and I found Tylenol for my infant. Toddler, Children's is
0: Tylenol. Yeah. Did it have a Turkish label?
4: <laughs> no, it was French and English.
0: Oh, the way they're supposed to be.
4: So you know, I could read read in my uh, first language.
0: It shouldn't I never be. Knew. The, the material shouldn't be this rich right now. It shouldn't be just like somebody says something and you can immediately make a comment about how, uh, how dumpster fiery politics is in, in Alberta right now. It's,
4: you know, it's very, it's very like DPP subling down tonight. It's, 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 we're having quite a fun interaction right now. I'm not giving them any space. Cause you know, I'm running out of anti-anxiety medication, but, <laughs> They need to stop sending the premier free flowing it at the ledge. Like, so here's the thing. A lot of people don't pay attention to what's going on at the legislature. They're The journalists are, but a lot of people are not paying attention to what's happening. And the danger is that when you go into, so Daniel Smith is very, very good at communicating when she's on script. So when we're gonna go, from, when we're gonna be walking to election season, and they're keeping on script, she's she's gonna be fine if she's on script, and you know the NDP is gonna have to do one hell of a job in Apple to be able to just like try to whack her down a little bit. But today's just like for fuck's sakes. I like Treaty Six today Thursday. Oh, we're gonna come to that. I want to work.
0: I want to work my way through the show before we get to that because that okay. was There's- that was beyond. Um, I, I, I can't you even, you know, but let's first let's
4: Nation, first nations don't have clean water, we do,
0: right? And I mean, like,
4: they, we didn't have to attend resi- residential schools, they were forced to. We're not dealing with generational drama, and don't add me with your vaccine stuff and the lockdowns, don't add me with that. That's nothing. We didn't go through of what they've been through and the generational trauma they're dealing with, like how, like, yeah, we're having problems with Ottawa. Everybody has problems with Ottawa. We've been having problems with Ottawa since 1867. Like it's nothing new, well, no, okay, so (laughs) sorry. The original provinces had problems with Ottawa since 1867 alberta since 1905 they even wanted to print their own money at some point right freedom but here's the thing if you're not willing to repair so here's the issue i have has anyone ever truly tried to mend relationships people it doesn't matter if they're liberals or conservatives because if we look at what harper did with his 10 years and as the prime minister we, we didn't get more pipelines we didn't get more oil and gas projects um you know we were going into a slump in oil and gas um it started when harper was there it's like blaming notley for it when she just walked in it you know it's as anyways um but i would like to see my government for once Instead of trying to go chase everybody around the world, go, go open an office. I sound like a broken record, but I truly believe that a lot of our problems with Ottawa could be a little bit of a humble pie. Go open an office in Ottawa. Go open, send a delegation of French-speaking Albertans to Quebec and start dealing with the issues and start building friendships. Start building deals Sign deals, sign agreements, you know, be, be, be the adult in the room. And that's what we have failed doing for so long is that it just feels like anyone that lands into government refuses to, you know, build good, meaningful relationship. And as soon as we have a premier that even there is doing so, well, now instead the not-leasing Trudeau alliance. Like, give me a break here. They're just being adults and they're working together because we have to. It's like when you're being nice to your mother in law at Christmas time, even if you wouldn't deal with her. Like, we really need to stop. I
0: think Sarah just said <laughs> the quiet part out loud.
4: It's not. No, no, I love my mother in law. I really, I love Debbie. Um, but, you know, we.
0: So. Here's I, I want to I, I want to spend some time I really do and I want to open it up to the floor as well. So if anybody's on the Twitter Spaces, I am reasonably confident that we've got the audio nightmare figured out and we should be able to get you heard on all of the things. But I want to talk about as well the Demetrius Nicolaidis video because there's two pieces to this. First of all, Nicolaidis produced, I guess, the video. Um, It was very clearly scripted because at a couple of edit points that I stumbled upon accidentally that I may or may not post down the road, you can actually see him desperately rifling through papers and somebody clearly pushed the wrong button on the the editing machine. So that makes me giggle. But um, the the reality is, is that for a good minute and almost two minutes when you include the ending as well, he's referencing a book that is unquestionably white supremacist. Like it literally includes in the, the the text of the book. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up again just so I can I can read it fully properly. It literally includes admission of colored people, yellow or black, constitutes a possible menace to the supremacy of the white race and can rightly be objected to under the law of self-preservation. So this is a book that's clearly saying Hey, you know what? We got to protect the supremacy of the white race. And this is the book that Nicolades chose to highlight and end his video with a quote, Alberta first, Alberta last, Alberta always like,
2: I mean, I know, that Mr.
0: I know that Mr. Getzen likes to make his nationalistic references, but when you're invoking white supremacy in Alberta, first, last, and always uh, getting a little bit on the nationalistic side. How does that happen? How does that video get produced? How does nobody say, Hey, you know, how does he not have an advisor that, that says you're, you're, you're referencing what book now?
4: Um. It's disappointing that we used to have really, really, really good research departments and awful departments, and, you know, they used to be able to uh, produce good content and reasonable content, Um, and, again, it's all the accountability, it feels like there's a... It's a license. It's the whole freedom thing. Okay, so for the past two years, we've seen two, almost three now, with the convoys and, you know, anti-vaxxer, anti-lockdown, anti-mask, name it, you know, the whole COVID thing. um, A lot of political operatives or a lot of people in the background have taken that freedom of speech to a very literal um, definition with no checks and balances and no accountability um, for what's being produced or, you know, their thoughts or.
0: I guess my question is like, shouldn't there be somebody in the room with Nick ladies given that it's a script? I mean, we know that I'm going to, I'm going to pull that frame up because to me it's wildly comical. It it, Um, it is a script. It is a script.
4: No, no one's there right now to tell them, hey, what you're doing is wrong.
0: No one. That's scary to me.
4: I strongly believe that everybody thinks that it's okay. Or if they had to skip the people they wanted to skip, they did skip them. And they just went with it. It is extremely, extremely (laughs) unfortunate. Like, fuck. I'm getting so sweary these days. Sorry. i
0: I got a question for you. And it's actually from the, this is a from the DMs question. Yeah. It's not even, not even from the chat. This is from the DMs. And the question is, uh, quite literally, uh, I have a question for Sarah. Are the other UCP MLAs just hoping Daniel Smith will completely destroy the UCP? Why are they letting her kill the election for them? I'm so confused.
4: I don't know. Like I've been talk- trying to talk with a lot of MLAs, and like I said before, on election night, that, that this shock on um, some of those MLAs' faces. Like again, we don't know what's going on in the background. Um, you know, there's a lot of pushback. We don't necessarily know what's happening. Like I said last week, everything's extremely airtight right now. Uh, they're very, very, they're keeping it very, 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 uh, you know. It's, there's not a whole lot of leaks that is coming out of that government right now. Like we've seen with Kenny, how many texts were we getting a day? <laughs> Being like, this is happening and oh, this yeah. is happening oh, and no, this no, is was... happening. And we would spend our day on the phone because something new would come up on time. But we are not having the same... Um, people are not as vocal, I will put it that way. And I think that, you know, there's a very, very tiny little circle of trust. And then there's a the little circle around that. And then there's the rest. But if... I don't know what they're doing. I honestly do not know. Because it's, it's I would hope that what they think might happen is that maybe she's going to be crashing alone and they're going to be able to save it. I do not know but I can't speak for them I really cannot but what I'm hoping is that they're fighting real hard in the background what she says live what she says on a hot mic or anything we we can't control that we cannot Um, what her office decides to put out as comms I am really surprised knowing some of those people in the office I'm really surprised that it it's coming out of the premier's office but have they drank the Kool Aid than
0: the windshield washer fluid? Well, because here's here's what my question is: It has been well documented. There have been a lot of people who have said, "Hey, you know what? Um, that's a that's a super racist book that you're you're propping up there. <laughs> that that's not at all okay. It's not at all cool. Please, please don't do that." Uh, there there are people who are are BIPOC who have raised the the concern that this is is directly harmful to them invoking this sort of at, at one point there were people in government in Alberta who were like, well, we got to do white supremacy you all like that's the reality of what we're talking about here. I'm not being hyperbolic with that. And Mr. Nick still hasn't done anything about the video we haven't seen it deleted we haven't seen it removed and we haven't seen any sort of apology we haven't seen any sort of statement we haven't seen any sort of context provided of like oh you know we got this guy who did the script I bought it off of this website that sometimes other people write things for that's a plagiarism joke by the way um,
4: <laughs> when, when was that book written
0: uh, I believe it was 19 19- 1910 find- 1910.
4: Yeah. 1910, guys.
0: Because dude we didn't got. Have,
4: we had cars in 1910. My grandfather was eight years old in 1910. The time he got
0: sniped in World War One, So, you know, that's
4: super. 1910, bad. it was. uh like also the First World War was not even. Like, fuck's sake. Like, <laughs>
0: I to have to update the rating on this one
4: yeah sorry you're gonna to have to or just bleep me every single time i'd, I'd like to salute my clients again tonight um <laughs> but it was 1910 where the women belonged in the kitchen it was 1910 where people were not a lot of people were not going to school past grade seven it was 1910 where the T model from Ford was not really even a thing. It was 1910 when residences didn't even have plumbing yet. We we're still using horses. It was 1910 when we didn't we didn't have fridges.
0: You weren't allowed to Why? vote in 1910.
4: No. Like even 1975, I would have not been able to open a bank account for my company. Like, for example... Well, let's I'm just look to give the you past
0: a, for guidance.
4: <laughs> like, um, my dad's ex-wife, because my dad has a few, anyways, she started her own business in the 1970s and she had to use her own personal account to run her business. And at the end of her career, she was on the board for National Bank, just to let you know what kind of individual she was. Like, we, why quote something that is so dusty and irrelevant why how deep so here's what i'm questioning huh. and that's what's really angering making my blood boil right now And i'm gonna have an how much time have they spent to find that quote and that book and cross-reference everything on the public purse time because we're talking that research was not done by party. It was done by the government. And how much resources was dedicated to make sure that we could find that very quote in that very book and try to make it relevant to today? How, how much time have they spent trying to spin that shit?
0: Well, what's interesting to me about it is there's a there's a powerful thread that was put up by uh, David. I'm going to assume the last name is pronounced Taves just because it's spelled the same way as the other guy. Um, And he highlights there's like eight different quotes. One another one that he highlights is uh, uh, and this is a quote. It's not me speaking. For the record, uh, we do not claim whatever others may that all races are equal. And if Alberta is peopled by an inferior race to that of Eastern Canada, we admit Eastern Canada's right to subject Alberta to her interests. But we refuse to admit Alberta's racial inferiority, though. Alberta sh- Should Alberta continue consent with her baby constitution, it may have been regarded as proof that Alberta's proper destiny is to be a hewer of wood and drawer of water for others.
4: here. Here's another one. Canada the first, last, and forever is the motto Sir Wilfrid Laurier has given Canadians without prejudicing um, their imperial ties and no disrespect to confederations implied. When the citizens of Alberta take for their motto Alberta first, last, and forever.
0: And what's really interesting. they are
4: justifying? They are justifying Bill One with a 1910 book.
0: That slogan, and this is important, that slogan, David Tate said, uh, the book like the video ends with the slogan Alberta first last and forever oh. Bramley Moore presents this as a variation of Wilford Laurier quote I can't find any other attributions of that phrase to lawyer to Laurier I can however find many references to Alberta f- or America first last and forever slash always and these references seem to point to it being to a slogan of the KKK so we've got a white supremacist who seems to be cribs noticing the KKK AKK's catchphrase And this is what Demetrius Nicolaitis Trundles out to be like Alberta's the best Alberta's calling I can't even
4: I didn't move here To see that happening I didn't move here To you know A lot of people There's a lot of Interprovincial immigration In this province A lot of people from Ontario, a lot of people in Quebec, Newfoundland, name it, Maritimes. There's a lot of people that have chosen Alberta as their province in Canada because we are known to have the best education system. We were known to have the best healthcare system. We were known to be a very peaceful, accepting, loving province. They chose Alberta to be their home in Canada. And to me, what is baffling today is that a very, very special group, wink, wink, APP. I'm not even gonna be subtle about it because I, I picked a fight with them this summer too, right? It was super fun. Um, but how entitled and privileged do you have to be and feel to be able to take away from 52% of the population of this province The reason why they decided to move here. The land of freedom and free enterprise and freedom of speech. And, you know, we're we're fairly happy. We have our Rockies, we have our All Sands and we have Highway 2. Everybody's happy. But we moved here because we saw the opportunity. We moved here because, you know, I left because I didn't want to have anything to do with the PQ or anything anymore. I was tired paying taxes out of my yin-yang and I was tired of not having a healthcare system and it didn't work. But by bringing those little tidbits from those books from 113 years ago, by the way, my grandmother was born 1910. So that's how old that is. Um, really? That's, that's where we're at in 2022, almost 2023. We are telling everybody that has chosen Canada and Alberta as a country and the province that shit out of luck, your ideology is not fitting with our tiny little elitist group. I'm tired of that. I didn't come here from that. If now you were- everybody's going to say, well, go, go back to your province. Oh, I won't. Because I've been here for 17 years. I'm not going to move away. Sorry, guys, you're stuck with me.
0: If you were advising Nicolaitis, given that there's going to be a lot of people who look at him quoting this book as a dog whistle and as a justification for holding these literally more than a century old, outdated, archaic, racist, ignorant. I could keep going with adjectives all night long, but I'm going to let you get to the answer. Does he have a responsibility to say, you know what, guys? I didn't read the book. That was an advisor. I'm sorry. Does he have a responsibility to try to distance himself to his act? Or is this part of the new Smith regime where everything is going to be on one side dog whistles that have the the the, the whiff of plausible deniability? Or is it going to be um, like, what would you tell him to do? Own it. What, do you I apologize? Was it was okay.
4: I would. At the end of the day, it's better to own your mistake or a decision that you have made to take a certain action than running away and not taking the blame for it and taking the heat. Owing your decisions, they probably the one like, oh yeah, yeah. He probably didn't even know about the goddamn book.
0: That's the thing. He was clearly reading a script. Like I said, I'm I'm really he, gonna, I'm my slow motion, Nate, backwards and forwards.
4: Mate, <laughs> I can guarantee you that he had no idea it was coming from that book. He did not know. He. But and that's maybe the opposition could ask for some clarification. So you could plead, you know, ignorance of bliss. Okay, sure, why not? But at the end of the day, own it, dude. Like you're an adult, you're a minister, you're a minister of superior uh. Post dead Be better, do better Be best Let's talk in their language, be best
0: So let's talk about being best Danielle Smith in the legislature On Tuesday I mean You have a stretch You have a stretch, I'll introduce <laughs> it um, I am <laughs> Stunned That in the legislature Daniel Smith would say I mean I'm stunned but I'm not because it's Daniel Smith so of course she's going to say something ridiculous we we know how she feels about straws and that's why the Sovereignty Act was needed because of the straws <laughs> I but forgot my
4: straw
0: I, I, I'm out of eggnog so we'll just have to roll but um, for her to stand up in the legislature and say and it's unequivocal like as much as she since tried to be like oh no guys I meant the process it's still not the same process you're still wrong But for the way that she said that to say, you know what, though, Um, you know what? We've had to deal with the same kind of oppression is mind numbingly ignorant. Yeah. How does I mean, does somebody need to tell her? Are we at that point where somebody needs to say, hey, Danielle, please stop that. And who does it need to be because the Treaty 6 chiefs have said very, very clear. I can't think of another time in, in Alberta's history in my lifetime where a, a treaty nation has preemptively said, we've got a pretty strong feeling because this is what I took away from it. We've got a pretty strong feeling that you're going to try to say exactly like she did, I might add. I've been meeting with folks. It's cool. So we're going to make it crystal clear. We're going to put out a press release that says you're horrible. I can't think of another time. So here's, what, see, I
4: mean, here's what's extremely interesting. Name me the last time the leadership of Treaty 6, 7, or 8 has come up publicly against a provincial policy. Sovereignty Act. How many times have they intervened? How many times have they intervened for the past, let's say, twenty years? Let's say twenty years. How many times have they intervened in provincial politics?
0: That's, I mean, there's, there's obviously the general themes. There's the the missing, murdered Indigenous women and girls. There's those no, kinds no, no, of no, things. No, 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 no. If you're I, talking about a specific yes, policy, but, I couldn't name one. Which one? No, I couldn't. I can't think of a, a, a piece of legislation where so, we've seen not only the provincial treaty the treaties, members.
4: Yeah, usually the provincial treaty members are not getting involved in provincial politics. So here's one thing that I learned on the campaign trail this summer. They don't buy membership. They don't vote in provincial level. It's, it's from what I was explaining is that it, is, it can be extremely rare. They tend to vote more on the federal level. They don't get involved that much. Um, you know, well, that's who leadership They're, they're, fuck, right? Um, <laughs> it's, it, 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 here's the thing. And here's what I hope. Is that this will be the, el- the element For the treaty leadership and their communities to start getting involved.
0: Well, they clearly are. To
4: start voting. And, you know, and I'm happy that they're speaking up their truth. And I'm happy that they are addressing their concerns loud and clear. Because from what I understand, those meetings were purely performative. Um, I'm totally getting bad from the premier's office now. Like, I'm done. Um, But everything that we have seen has been purely performative, does not come from a place of being humble and trying to understand and trying to be inclusive. It was just like, it feels like they met for coffee and be like, how are you doing? Good? Okay, see ya. Well, what do you think? What would like, but Daniel Smith will Daniel Smith, right? She will look like she's listening. She's going to be taking notes, but her idea is preconceived. So as soon as she walks into that meeting, she already knows what she wants to do. She's just ticking the box. That's a feeling I have.
0: Well, it certainly seems to be the feeling that the treaty chief share. Not saying, just saying.
4: And we're gonna have to respect that. We need to respect the treaty communities. We need to respect how many, like just around Calgary, we have Tutina community, we have Sixika, we have um Morley, we have so many, so many communities just around Calgary, and we have urban communities as well. And either she likes it or not. We need
0: to listen to them. Well, I mean, we here's the really thing. That, here's the thing that I don't understand. Even if, even if we just go with the base assumption, Daniel Smith is is ignorant and maybe a little bit. Uh, see, I w- I would argue that 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 sort of performative meeting and. Um, <clears throat> Uh, utilization of meetings uh, to fake an agenda is in and of itself somewhat racist because you're still exploiting the identity of those people uh i I, i'm i don't know i'm the middle-aged white guy so there's probably a lot of people who want to tell me i'm wrong about that i'm okay with that um but i'm super white too it's true um but if If Danielle, so let's let's say that Danielle Smith doesn't care about First Nations Indigenous issues. Let's say she doesn't care about any of those things, despite her Cherokee roots. We're
4: speculating here.
0: We're speculating here. This is this is purely a, a thought experiment. One would think given her we're going to build economic corridors through treaty lands that's how we're going to get around the federal government she would be i mean it's it's laughable on its face for sure but this seems to be daniel smith's thing is that she'll take an idea and go i'm the great loophole finder it, it, one would think that she would want to maintain at the very least a positive relationship with the treaty signatories in order to try to do that because if she's going to try to leverage treaties against the federal government and she She's got the treaty signatories already saying we're absolutely not going to work with you because you're disrespectful and, frankly, a little bit crazy. She's kneecapping her own economic agenda. Yeah. Does she not see that?
4: So there's a lot of reasonable, like I said before, there's a lot of reasonable people in the premier's office. There's a lot of enablers in the Premier's office as well. (coughs) People. Um, I'm not going to name anyone, but I think we all have a pretty good idea. Um, But I'm really hoping that the reasonable people will be standing up soon, be like, you know what, enough is enough. Because how far? Fuck me. Like, yes, economic corridors. So here's the thing. Economic corridors, economic agreements. And so you need to build those relationships. But you cannot ram through First Nation communities. You cannot. You cannot. You, we have zero right to do that. It's like when she was toying about re a part of BC and all that. BC is unceded land. We need to remember that. And that's extremely complicated with hereditary chiefs and, you know, everything
0: in between. Well, even, but- even even here in Alberta, and this is something that I do want to uh, try to clumsily acknowledge, the reality is, is that there are a lot of uh, people who are Indigenous who don't... Um, I'm going to say recognize is as as probably the wrong word. The, the governmental systems that have been set up under not, the Indian Act. Yeah. I mean, the, the Indian Act created a it's set violent. of governance rules. Yeah. It created yeah. a set of governance rules that said, this is how you're going to do your government. We don't really care how you've done it for the last couple of thousands of years. This is how you're going to do it now. And there's a lot of people who reject that. And I don't think they're wrong, necessarily. I mean, it's not my place to say. I want to be really clear about that. But that's something that has to be sorted out as well. And to to try to say that, you know, for Danielle Smith to say, we're not going to, you know, the Indigenous people are free of the Indian Act. But she's using the mechanisms of the Indian Act to try to get her economic court. Like, it's just a mess.
4: That's... It shows you how very little understanding they have from a the constitution. Um, hey, constitutional lawyer <clears throat> in the premier's office. I would recommend to talk to other good constitutional lawyers. They Is even he a constitutional lawyer predict- though? I don't know. Maybe it's just a hobby. Um, it's like a you know a special interest in sports medicine when you're just a regular doctor.
0: Like just because you play fantasy football doesn't mean that you could actually. Play in the CFL.
4: oh It's like if I'm on your show, doesn't mean I'm a real political analyst or strategist, or right? it's just a hobby. It's a housewife hobby. But no, I think that we need to really, really like people need to start speaking up and it needs to stop being fucking performative. Like I was talking to some elders this summer and one of their wishes and I'm not not going to name them, but one of their wishes was to see Andrip adopted as law in the province. Which.
0: gets real complicated, real fast.
4: (laughs) It gets real complicated, real fast, but that's where their minds are at because they are not even right now, even 2022 and seven eighths. They are not. And that's the thing. We need to start treating those com- the communities like they are people. They are not pawns. They're not parked on a certain parcel of land because we decided to do, because our ancestors decided that's where they were going to live. Like, we need to start treating them like partners, like equals, and like allies. It is beyond me, and it's so goddamn embarrassing. Like, a friend of mine was chief of staff back in the day to what was called, back then, Indian Affairs. And, you know, I, 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 we need to start treating them like you are treating me. And the government needs to start getting their head out of their boob. Um, Something. Hoo-ha. Who knows? But no, I think there's a wake up call that needs to happen in the Premier's office because it's going to get ugly real fast. And if the treaties are getting upset and decide to take the government to court, well, the Alberta Sovereignty Act will be the least fiscal conservative thing I've seen in the past 25 years because it's going to get expensive real fast and they're going to get way over their heads. I understand they want to get their product to tidewater. Everybody does. I negotiated agreements in New Brunswick with uh, Mi'kmaq, and you know we uh, created the workforce had to be fifty percent, you know, from the Mi'kmaq community, and we were providing funds, we were helping, um, you know, um, with trades and. You know we were funding a lot of those programs and make sure that you know it was equitable to them because we were on their land and if you don't build those partnerships if you don't give them the opportunity if you keep tossing them off the side and say nah 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 it's okay we'll just do what we want because we're white that's where we as a population and as voters Need to ask why are we treating them this way? Because we are seeing this in the healthcare system, we're seeing this in the school system. We're see- it is systemic, and it seems like a lot of people are worried about acknowledging acknowledging that it is a systemic issue. But fine you can't do that you can't say that our problems are this big compared to what the first nation communities went through for the past like 350 years 400 if you count quebec city like it is i don't know i'm just angry it's disappointing it's it's heartbreaking to see that we're going back there when we are just starting to talk about truth and reconciliation it's gross and we're just starting. We're at the baby steps because before reconciliation comes truth. and we need to let them speak their truth. After that, the reconciliation work can start. But how do you want to make any progress when you have people in the premier's office who are not even recognizing that they are entirely like human beings and they have rights?
0: Yeah. Well, just to end things on a happy note. Um... Happy <laughs> you note. Know,
4: no, comments. I'm lying.
0: This is horrifying what I'm about to show you. Um, and if it wasn't for the fact that what I'm about to share here is already posted publicly to social media, <clears throat> I wouldn't be sharing it because it's absolutely not my story. I want to be really clear about this. But people ask, why do people get why do some people get so upset about homophobia? Uh, or racism or bigotry, particularly homophobia, and I want to take a second to highlight this right here, because this is a tweet from Chaz Smith. <clears throat> for any of you who aren't familiar, Chaz has been on the show before. He's an amazing human being. He is the founder of an organization called Be the Change YYC. They do outlist for the, or sorry, outreach for the houseless outreach. possibility. <clears throat> outreach for the houseless possibility. Sorry, two hours of talking is catching up to me. Um, And, uh, he posted this last night and I'm going to, for those of you who are on Twitter spaces, I'm going to read it to you, uh, speaking out. And since we've already, Blown past our PG-13 rating I'm just going to read the whole thing without any censorship The person who assaulted me last Night said fuck you you fucking Faggot as he caused injury to Me I'm tired of folks getting away with Hate based assault like this this isn't the first time Likely not the last I didn't deserve this Calgary Police is involved This happened in Calgary In the last 48 hours it
4: happens every day.
0: This is the point that I'm trying to make. And Chaz is a amazing, beautiful human being who spends a disproportionate <laughs> amount of his time trying to help other people. And he was the victim of violence because of homophobia and because <laughs> of hate. And it's getting worse. <clears throat> the statistics back that up. And it, I know that I've said this before, I'm going to keep saying it people who have privilege have an obligation to start assuming some jeopardy and speaking out against this shit because it's one thing to say, Hey, you know what? Uh, I don't think anyone should get beat up. I I'm not homophobic. It's not nearly good enough, not nearly good enough anybody who has any kind of values or is against homophobia or is against racism or is against bigotry needs to make it crystal clear to everybody in their little sphere, this bullshit will not be tolerated. And I got to say, it is a Testament I'm I'm hoping to be able to to chat with Chaz soon, but it is an absolute testament to him that he continues to do the kind of work that he does. Because here's the thing, he made it crystal clear in that this isn't the first time. He made it crystal clear. He knows it won't be the last. This is the type of thing that hateful, ignorant. Rhetoric, like we're seeing from the premier of Alberta breeds. And it's an embarrassment. And so I want to make it perfectly clear from everybody here at the breakdown. We got nothing but love for Chad Smith and we hope he recovers quickly. And that I really hope the the Calgary police find the, the person who did this and they are brought to the appropriate level of justice because... If they do this to someone like Chaz, they're gonna do it to other people and it's not okay.
4: But here's where are the political leaders? Chaz is well known everywhere. Where are they? Have they spoken up? I haven't
0: you know, seen anybody.
4: I haven't seen anybody.
0: I don't take we, my leadership many political leaders these days. <laughs> That's all I'm the, gonna say about that.
4: <laughs> the fake and performative I'm tired of politicians being fake. I'm tired of politicians being like, oh yeah, I'm here a lie. And I'm going to declare this day the day to fight transgender phobia. And we're going to be acknowledging it. And those damn leaders are staying silent when people like that are getting attacked. It could be your kids. Why do some parents tell their kids that before you know, they even consider coming out, they need to make sure they have very strong allies because if not, they might be suffering and they might be bullied and it might be affecting them in very, very negative ways. Why do some people tell that to their kids? It's because it's a reflect of the society that we are going through right now. I don't know where we're going, but it's getting pretty fucking uncomfortable, let me tell you. It's just... It's nasty, it's not who we are, it's, it's not who we used to be. It got amplified because we let it happen and we allowed it to happen. And we will continue to let it happen if we give voices to those organizations that are, are voicing very, very, very bad opinions.
0: <clears throat> well, I'm gonna bring it right home there because you started, you came in hot you were talking about the Alberta Prosperity Project, and it's worth checking out the Facebook page of some of the the, the people who are involved in that organization because they got some really strong, hateful language towards um, BIPOC individuals, and they've got some really, yeah, really strong, hateful language. They, they do, they absolutely do. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah I, they do, but
4: I don't you think can say that.
2: I, I don't I give a rat's a...
0: ass if they say they don't. I, I watched the video where uh, their chief economic advisor was going on about uh, how LGBTQ people are, are are trying to to groom and go after kids. And it's like being gay doesn't make you a pedophile. Fuck off with that reasoning, quite frankly. Um, so uh, these are the people that Daniel Smith chose to legitimize by going maybe, to. Maybe,
4: maybe they should review Greek history in Roman history and see how it was how things were happening back then. Uh, Maybe they should take a walk in Pompeii and so, funny story about that, okay? Revision (laughs) of history and all that. (laughs) I'm in Pompeii with my father because I used to be, I'm my dad's travel buddy when he's like single, you know. And we were in Pompeii and he's like, oh look, that's, my dad's a banker. And He's like, oh, look, look, that's the tallest building in Pompeii. That's got to be a bank or something important. I was like, that's that that was the prostitute house. That was the brothel. And we, he was like, no, no, no. And we walk in, and there's very, very graphic, um, you know, sexy time scenes. <laughs> <laughs> but they always like to believe that they sit on the wrong, on the right side of history with their bad shit, biblical garbage, and I'm sorry about that. I don't have anything against religion. I have a problem when it's being used to nefarious intents. No matter who you are, who you pray to, if you use it to damage a certain group or a certain people or do societal damage, I'm, I'm just not going to be your best friend. But they're nasty. I, like, they're VP Finance or something. I was talking about some biblical quotes this summer. And, like, and we. And those people are fairly young, right?
0: They're well, funny, Dr. Modry. No. Dr. Modry definitely. Well, no,
4: no, I can't talk about him. I can't. I can't. It's, I'm just no. saying he's
0: not young. That's all that I'm saying. Yeah, no.
4: I can't talk about Dr. Marquez or Dr. Mondry. I can. I can. I can't. Oh, I,
0: I, I, yeah, I'm going to run away from that one in a big hurry. Um, yeah. Point that I'm making, I'm trying to make, though, is... Everybody needs to to stand up against this kind of thing, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's inconvenient, even when you think that somebody might say something unpolite, because the reality is, is that, you know, for somebody like me, I can stand up and say, hey, if you're a homophobic bigot and you're beating people up, you're a jerk. And probably nothing's going to happen to me. But Chaz is going to continue going out on the street. And he's going to continue taking care of people who are houseless. He's going to continue putting himself at risk because that's the kind of good person he is. And And very
4: often the people are going after those individuals. They don't do shit. They stay in their home. Google people, attack them on social media and
0: eat cheesies. Just saying. Cheesies and Netflix. All right. I've, I've just, you know, I went, I, I, I got this whole soundboard over here and I was hoping that somebody was going to tap in from the Twitter spaces tonight. Nobody did. On Sunday, anybody who's listening, please, please bring notes um, and and have some thoughts to share because I really want to know if this thing that I did works. Um, But
4: Can I just, hold on, can we just acknowledge how fast they are ramming through legislation this week? It's very fast. They are (laughs) plowing through like all of the bills. My guess is that tomorrow we might see, they might, maybe they're going to go on break tomorrow. We'll see. But they're just ramming through legislation right now. It's quite fascinating to watch.
0: There we go. So keep an eye on that. We're going to bring... Uh, I'm going to ask Sarah if you can, uh, on Sunday, maybe bring some highlights of what some of those legislations are, if they're just boring. Yeah, sorry. I was
4: supposed to do that for tonight, but then...
0: It's all good. Life I happens. Busy.
4: I got busy. Oh, can I show you something? <laughs> Hold on. To finish on a good note. So, my fantastic graphic designer, Crystal Reynolds from Crystal Inc., I work with her on on the campaigns I work with. She gave me that for Christmas. And it's a quote from Maya Angelou. It says, be a rainbow in someone else's cloud. That's nice. So, you know, be better. Be a good person. I sound like the angry French Canadian. But I had enough of that shit. I really (laughs) do. And I'm going to say this with a smile. And I'm going to go try to go sleep and not be anxious about my 2000 rowing challenge tomorrow morning. I need to row 2000 meters tomorrow morning. That's that's going to be
0: good. That's half of 4000. It's not that bad.
4: (laughs) Yeah, especially when you have a floating screw in your knee because you managed to break a screw after your knee surgery. I don't know how maybe but you know so i'm just gonna give another example then we we're talking about you know the app and all that look at caillou
0: uh he no Look,
4: like, no. you know but it's, there's that class nope nope
0: nope nope, no, nope. No, no. i'm not but getting think... into a caillou conversation tonight i'm no, not no, doing no, no, no. it but there's that i got a kid group. to put to bed
4: okay fine but there's a group of young men they're really really following that road and it's getting dangerous people Enough said. Be a a rainbow.
0: There you go. Be a rainbow. As always, if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here at the breakdown, I'm going to clear the room now. Um, We would love nothing more than if you signed up to be one of our Patreon sponsors at www.patreon.com slash the breakdown AB to all of our wonderful Patreon sponsors who read the post and have emailed. It's in the mail as of tomorrow morning. So thank you so much for your support post pictures on the, on the social medias of of what you're about to receive. If you'd like, we would like that. Um, And we will be back here on Sunday again, uh, eight o'clock. I also want to say really quick as well. We have a spicy little one-off episode coming up. We're doing, we're trying to get a little bit back to the interview episodes that we've done as standalone episodes. And we, we, we have a, a corker in the, the pipeline here. Uh, we sat down for a conversation with Dr. Lisa Young, Yay! a scientist out of the University of Calgary. And we're going to be dropping that episode hopefully Friday. Uh, it's a spicy little number. We talk about the state of Alberta politics. We talk about how we've seen the, the tone of the conversation change. It's going to be a really, really good one. Early access for that is going to be on Friday with our Patreon supporters. And then we'll probably put it up for everybody else on Monday or or Tuesday or maybe Sunday morning for the the Sunday morning coffee crowd. But uh, it's it's a good one. You're not going to miss it. Dr. Young has some fantastic perspectives that she... I love her so much. (laughs) She brings forward. Um, Other than that, uh, I mean, that was just two days worth of Alberta politics. We've got four days before the next show. So Lord knows we're going to have no shortage of things. Please be kind to each other. If you want to throw a shout out to, uh, Chad Smith and show him a little bit of love, uh, his, his, uh, Twitter handle is very, very simple and easy to remember. You can just go to the breakdowns timeline because we retweeted it. But his cha- his Twitter handle is at Chaz, C-H-A-Z, Smith, S-M-I-T-H, Y-Y-C. He is the founder of Be The Change, Y-Y-C, a or- amazing organization that does outreach for houseless people. And I imagine after his very bad start to the the week he could use a little bit of love so if you want to go say nice things to him that's a good thing that you can do that costs you nothing so if you're not going to sign up for patreon then do that that's my ask uh in the meantime we will see you sunday take care of yourselves and keep the conversation going